Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. All right, welcome into the Mark and Kitchen Show. Mark Dundero, Ben Kitchen with you. Kitch, good morning. How are you? Good morning, Mark. How are you? I'm having a better morning than the Boston Red Sox today, and we have a lot to get to. I want to do our NFL preview. Yeah. Um, you know, Ben was inquiring why I was texting him at 4.50 a.m. this morning. I don't know. I would. I thought of it. That I wanted. And I said the text. That's the best explanation. Not up at 4.50 a.m., but it happens sometimes. So that was the explanation there. Uh, I have no explanation, Kitch, for the for the Boston Sox, but I do have a thought and a theory. And if I could right, start what you got? there, I'd like to. Um, things. The first thing that I want to say, and you can react to these, and we can take them one at a time. But there's something that I didn't, um, I didn't, I guess, consider when we ended this whole high and bloom phase. I knew that it was going to somewhat mirror. The, the money all way, the Tampa way, the cheap way, whatever it is. But I don't think high am considered. I don't think ownership considered. I know I didn't consider the effect it would have on the the clubhouse, the culture, the players, and just, I guess, what the Boston Red Sox brand has been for the last 28 years. Um, and now you could come out of something you can persevere through. But I don't think anybody, you know, accounted for this. As I watch this year and last year unfold, okay, I'm, I'm realizing more and more. You can tell me if I'm way off base here. But it does look like this whole approach, being cheaper, bargain basement, not going for it at the trade deadline, not bringing in the big stars, and obviously starting with not re-signing guys like Mookie Betts. I think it's been bigger than just not having the talent available on the field. I think this whole mentality that has sort of taken over the Boston Red Sox has seeped itself into the clubhouse. I think it has infiltrated the culture. I think this goes back to when guys like Xander Bogarts were here. I think it's just a bigger picture problem because I think it has eroded some of what the clubhouse swag that the Red Sox used to exude, I think it has eroded some of that, and they don't have what they used to have, and I think it has gotten into the minds of some of the leaders over the last few years, and it has sort of demoralized them to the point where 
even subconsciously, they don't feel like either the, the ownership is all in or they're just all in to win. And it's something that you can win with the way that the Rays do business and some of these teams with the smaller payrolls. But what Baltimore and Tampa don't have to contend with are the historic expectations of the Boston Red Sox. And being a big market, big spending, prime time type of organization. I think the adjustment for some of the players realizing kind of what the what the direction of the team is now has been a big blow to them psychologically, and I think that has affected the culture. I think that's infiltrated Alex Cora. It's affected the mood of Cora as a result of players and as a result the results in some of these last few seasons here, and it has been a big adjustment for this team, these players, this organization outside of, I guess, ownership and the guy calling the shots. And I think that has really affected the Boston Red Sox and their ability to win and win at the highest level, obviously in addition to the lack of talent on the field. Do you agree with that assessment? I agree with that assessment, and that's probably the biggest reason why I have, you know, for the last couple of years said that ownership needs to sell and move on and go on to their next venture. They're not interested anymore. Okay, cool. They have this real estate deal over by Fenway. They don't care about the actual product. It's just a real estate play now. And and if ownership, if players or you know uh, the managers or even the front office can sense that ownership doesn't really care that much about winning and about the product anymore, they're going to feel like kind of why should I? And then it's just going to permeate down the entire the entire team. And I think that's the biggest reason why they're in the position they're in. They don't care about winning anymore. They're not really spending. The Raphael Devers contract was just to basically to shut the fans up. Yeah, and I'm not, you know, some of this probably does fall on bad leadership in the clubhouse, whether that's Alex Cora, whether that's your best player, whoever the lay, the player leader is, you know what I mean? Whether it was well, see, guards or... Yeah, let's start with Cora there for a second there, because I think we all like him as a manager. We like the way he handles the media. We like the way he handles the players. And, you know, in-game, he's a pretty good manager. He's one of the better managers in baseball. And we all like him. But I think his biggest flaw is that he's gotten, over the last couple of years, too caught up into this battle with the front office, battle with Haim Bloom, that he hasn't done the team any favors by doing that. It's like he he's armed the team to be to battle for him against Haim Bloom instead of going out there and playing baseball and and saying ignoring that distraction and saying you know what that's just between me and Haim I'm not getting the players involved we've got this other job to do they're all too caught up they're all too caught up in everything other than what they should be focused on whether that's ownership whether that's the front office or whether that's management. And, and if all three of those parties are going to be that way, the players are probably going to get caught up in it too. Like you saw last year with Xander Bogarts and Martinez and Evaldi. I'm not saying that ownership is... I'm not saying that we we shouldn't blame ownership or that this is all on Alex Cora and the players and the different things. I'm just saying I think there was more to this and it runs a lot deeper than just not having the talent on the field. I think you're right. With Alex Cora, too much of that, um, the battle between him and Haim Bloom, even if it's unspoken, has seeped into the players' minds, and they have reacted 
to that tension, even if it's not something they're doing intentionally. I think that mm-hmm. has absolutely mattered, especially in the last two years. Okay, and that is something that the Boston Red Sox, maybe they didn't account for this. Maybe they thought their players would be able to handle it better, and maybe that's on the players. But I think that's something that the Boston Red Sox did not account for enough when, I mean, it feels like at one point they made a philosophy change, doesn't it? Where they said they weren't going to spend as much. They weren't going to be in on every big name. going to be the Don approach. I don't think they accounted for how the culture of the club and everybody around, you know, the guys on the field were going to be impacted and how that was gonna infl- how that was gonna impact the on field product. I I don't know if they did that because it certainly has, and I think it's something like you said, the perfect example. I think his little battle there has gone into the play like if the players have felt it and have acted like they felt it, and I think we've seen it on the field. And it's just now they have you know. So you compound so- all of that with not having talent. It's going to make for a fourth place finish in the AL East. Yeah. A year after finishing last place in the AL And I remember, okay, look, they had a, they had a run here. They fought, you know, it's, it's crazy because they, I mean, I shouldn't say it's crazy. They had here where they were, I, they were respectable for a large season in terms of their fight, their tough division. Um, and, and honestly, Kitch, I don't care and get so worked up over Mookie Betts. Like I still, I don't having the historic and he's in the like that doesn't matter to me. I don't think they just had Mookie Betts. If they had Mookie Betts, guess what? This pitching staff it doesn't a championship type of team. They're still not good enough. It hurts to see a guy like Betts driving years after you got rid of him, traded him. I'm point. I'm trying here. They've never taken big swings. Betts has left. I think he was could replace enough job. for actually him. Even enough job attempted place him, and that's the biggest crime, I think. By high, if you're going over the negative that have um, been on the yeah, but you're you're right, but you're right, but it's not just Mookie. You didn't learn your mistake with Xander or Avaldi or JD Martinez or any of these guys over the last couple of years, where you knew you were going to kind of move on from them and you didn't capitalize it at all. Verdugo this year, a guy you easily could have moved on, who's a decent quality enough player that contenders who needed another outfielder were going to be all over. So. You know, it's not just one thing. I, I, I kind of agree where you're coming um, from on the Mookie thing. He's proving a little more special than I would have thought. Um, but again, he's still got like eight years left on that contract, nine years left on that contract. It was a 12-year contract, and we know this team was never going to do that. And I don't think it's really worth it for any team. The Dodgers are in a special position where they can swallow that without a problem. Boston's not in that same position. Yes, we're used to being one of the top spending teams. And yes, we have a, you know, an ownership group that's on the richer side of things, but they're not the Dodgers ownership group. They can't spend like the Dodgers can spend. 
All right, let's get a break here. When we get back, I want to talk about one other thing because I do think there's hope, and I do think there is a way for the Red Sox to get back, and I'm going to tell you what it is. Okay, and I think I've actually done the hard part. The hard part, I think, is can be taken care of if they just adjust a little bit. We'll get to that. Let's get it trending. This is the Mark and Kitchen Show, 103.7 WEI. Hey, Rob Bradford here. I have set out on a mission with my good friends at FanDuel to prove what I have known for some time. Baseball isn't boring. Now I have a daily podcast to prove it with some of the most notable people in the baseball world screaming baseball isn't boring from the mountaintops or at least agreeing to come on our show. Players, managers, GMs, and yes, even the commissioner of baseball, Rob Manfred. It has been a constant wave of baseball's most powerful voices. So join the revolution. Subscribe and soak in baseball isn't boring. Listen on your Odyssey app or wherever you get your podcast. You'll be glad you did.